Live from the downtown studio, the Flames Talk postgame show starts now. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Let's get our postgame coverage underway this evening as our Flames Talk postgame show is underway. Your final score from Bridgestone Arena in Nashville is 4-2 Predators. So the Flames have their point streak snapped and uh, back to the drawing board Friday in Dallas. Pat Steinberg along with you as we get things started and we go immediately back to Bridgestone Arena in Nashville and check in with Flames forward Andrew Mangiapane for some postgame reaction. Uh, Andrew, uh, just it, it felt like it uh, was tough to get to your game tonight overall. Just uh, how did you see this one for the Flames tonight? Yeah, that's exactly what it was. Felt like, uh, you know, we weren't really moving our feet too well. And, you know, uh, we just were kind of disconnected all over the ice. So um wasn't our best kind of effort. Uh, but we got to, you know, regroup and, you know, get ready to go for our next game. Group has been uh, on a pretty good run here. Uh, one regulation loss, I, I get that. But how do you like the way, I know that your group has been resilient in-game, but how do you like the way that your group has even responded to losses over the last eight or nine games? Yeah, I mean, I, I think um, we're a good team when we're kind of all playing together, right? So I, I like the way we've been kind of competing. I think uh, today was, you know, not our best kind of effort. So I think, uh, you know, for our next game, I think we just got to, you know, sharpen it up and, and just kind of, you know, all compete together and all play as hard as we can, right? That's when we're at our best, and that's when we, you know, uh, you know, we're playing from, you know, we're winning comeback games and things like that, and we're playing with the lead. Things, you know, we're we're working hard. That's when we're at our best, right? So we gotta gotta do more of that, and you know, throw this one in the in the garbage, and you know, learn from it, and, and kind of move on from it. Final thought, man. And uh, you got a tough back to back coming up Friday yeah. and Saturday with travel in between against a, a pair of pretty solid teams as well. Just what's key in in a difficult back to back like that to make sure your group's got the energy and that your group has the success that you're looking for? Yeah, I think uh, obviously those are two good teams in Dallas and Colorado. So uh, we got to be you know kind of ready to play, and I think that starts with just being uh, prepared and and ready from the ready from the start. I feel like the first first periods uh, in both those games are going to be important for us just to get our legs going and, and, you know, get our get our feet going, right? That's when we're at our best, like I said. And, um, yeah, I think that's the key for us is, you know, getting out to a good start. Andrew, appreciate the time. Good luck on Friday. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, thank you. That is Andrew Mangiapane postgame in Nashville following a 4-2 loss to the Predators on this Wednesday night as our Flames Talk postgame show is underway. We're available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, the phone lines are open at 403-240-4444. The text line is open at 960-960. It's Pat Steinberg with Megan Mickelson and Derek Wills uh, breaking down a 4-2 loss in Nashville. And a, a 4-2 loss, Mick, where Flames, I, I didn't hate their first period but it's not like that was a, a really strong period and then they just as as Andrew just said it, it felt like they never really got to their game which is not something that we've seen a lot of over the last seven or eight games just uh not their night that was that was not a strong 60 for the Flames in Nashville no and I would agree I didn't hate their start either I thought they were okay not a terrible first period but that's in comparison to their second period last game and also their second and third periods I would say this game and they just had a really hard time with the pressure that the Nashville Predators were putting on them and it's really hard for a team that wants to play with a ton of speed and play fast when every single time you get the puck you have somebody literally right on top of you and that's exactly what the Predators did every time the Flames got the puck no matter where they were on the ice there was a Predators player 
right there. And that's because they were anticipating plays. So that's what made it so hard on this Flames team tonight and need to find a way to to be able to use their speed against teams that are going to apply that kind of pressure. Just looking at the game sheet, uh, trying to decide who was good and who wasn't tonight, I circled one player, Noah Hannafin. I mean, the Flames have played some really good hockey prior to tonight, but this was not their night. Uh, I mean, too many guys were off. The team just did not look in sync. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm not sure what happened, but a bit of a step back for a team that had played their best hockey of the season in the last eight or even nine games. I thought they played pretty well against the Stars in uh, the last game of that six-game losing streak and and could have won that hockey game. So uh, back to the drawing board, so to speak. And uh, Pat, as I said to Megan uh, near the end of the third period, I would be surprised if there weren't some lineup changes on Friday night versus the Stars. Uh, The fourth line has not been much of a factor for the Flames for a while. I know they made a change on defense tonight. Uh, I hate to single out Dennis Gilbert. He did get in a fight, which was good to see. But uh, (laughs) I suspect there'll probably be some changes two nights from now. Um, Flames were pretty punchless in the final 40 minutes as well. I mean, I I would imagine, Wilsey, that we get a couple of texts or a couple of calls about the what ended up being the game-winning goal, the Carrier goal, even though it really wasn't the way the game went. But uh, Carrier's goal, uh, I I know we'll get some calls and texts about that, about the hand pass and, you know, why it ended up counting. But in the end... At five on five, in the final 40 minutes combined, they had two shots from the slot. Um, that's in two Ooh. periods. Like they wow. just, it, it was really hard, Derek, for them to generate any offense in the back two periods. Yeah, it's too many. because they had no space. They yep. had no time and space. The Predators were literally all over them. Yeah, you have to do something to create time and space yep. then if, yep. if that's what your opponent's yep. doing to you, throwing a blanket on you. And, hey, uh, again, I tip my cap to the Predators. They played a really good game tonight and made life difficult for the Flames, but there just wasn't a lot of pushback which is, I'm sure, what we're probably going to hear from Ryan Huska and his postgame comments. But, you know, a lot of offside calls, a lot of icing calls. Yep. For me, those are, are signs of a, a mentally and or physically tired team. But, you know, they played in Seattle on Monday. Yesterday was uh, an off day. and Actually, they traveled yesterday. They didn't travel on Monday oh, night. I they traveled that. yesterday, yeah. So they got a good night's sleep, but they were not sleepless in Seattle, I suspect. Uh, after that uh, thrilling come-from-behind win on Monday. And uh, you travel yesterday and uh, get into Nashville. And I don't know, maybe they had a good time in Nashville. And and that could uh, explain what happened tonight. It's happened to plenty of teams uh, prior to games against the Predators in the past. But they've just got to get back to to being who they were in the last uh, eight or nine games. Uh, We just did not see enough of that team tonight. And... This starts a tough stretch, Pat. We talked about it on uh, the Daily Calgary Flames roundtable today. The Flames are going to play a number of the top teams in the league between now and Christmas time, and uh, I think a lot of us uh, are still trying to figure out what this team is. I think we're going to know by Christmas. Let's select tonight's hardest-working flame following a 4-2 loss in Nashville. Hardest-working flame brought to you by Canyon Plumbing and Heating. Are you the hardest-working plumber or HVAC tech? Canyon's hiring. Send resumes to jobs at canyonplumbing.com. Mick, who do we got as uh, it's a tougher one tonight, I know, but who do we got as tonight's hardest-working flame? Well, I'm going to agree with Wilsey. I thought Noah Hannafin was one guy who had a pretty good night considering the way that the game went and somehow he ends up 
plus two, but he also had five shots on net. Um, but always, you know, he's he's really good when he's skating and when he's moving his feet. And whenever he had the opportunity to do that, he was doing that. Also took a big elbow to the face and liked the the emotion that we saw from him on that. So a, a good game by Noah Hannafin. Noah Hannafin's your hardest working flame. The hardest working flame brought to you every night by Canyon Plumbing and Heating. Want to get recognized and rewarded for your achievements? Learn from the best. Send your resume to jobs at canyonplumbing.com. It's uh, Megan Mickelson, Derek Wills. My name is Pat Steinberg. Um, they scored a power play goal on Monday, Mick. They they didn't look very dangerous on the power play tonight, and that could have been a you know they had 63 seconds of power play time even to start the third period, and I know sometimes power plays split over an intermission can be difficult, but just didn't look dangerous on the man advantage tonight, which is is something they really need to get on top of if they're going to. We know they're going to be in a lot of close games. That could be the difference between a lot of wins and losses here. Yeah, and you know this. Coaching staff has talked a lot about the importance of predictability and being predictable to your teammates. What you don't want to be is predictable to your opponents. And that's exactly what they are. They're on the power play. They're extremely easy to read off of. I feel like we could, or I could, you know, you guys could. You could. You could. Oh, you could. (laughs) That's how easy to read. Oh, I'm just kidding. (laughs) No. Uh, that's funny. Just that kind of night. Uh, anyways, no, I just think that they're they're very predictable. They're easy to read, which makes them really easy to defend. And you're not dangerous and you're not a threat in those situations when, you know, it's almost like they're stuck in their tracks in their quote-unquote spots on the power play and they're looking for plays. They're trying to force them through sticks. Uh, they couldn't get in the zone. They couldn't get set up. When they did get set up, they were – trying to make saucer passes over sticks or make passes through guys and all their shots were blocked. So for me, the biggest thing is like, obviously they were trying to move the puck quicker. I think I did see that, but you need more movement in general um, to create more space and a little bit more havoc. Too static. Yeah. Yep. I mean, you got to move more, more high to low, low to high try to break up that penalty-killing box. But, again, they had a tough time making simple plays tonight, uh, which makes me wonder if they were a little bit mentally or physically tired. And, uh, yeah, that penalty kill, uh, it was okay tonight, but it's been okay all season. It's the other side of special teams that I'm quite concerned about because, unlike the last couple of years, the Flames have spent considerable time practicing the power play. And it kind of looked like they had it figured out on Monday night. They went one for two in that game against the Kraken. They scored seconds into their first power play, and their second power play was dangerous. Mm -hmm. They could have scored, maybe even should have scored a power play goal, which would have uh, helped them snap an 0-for-17 streak with a man advantage by going not one for two, but two for two. But uh, again, a step backwards tonight. And, you know, good players, good teams have bad nights. And for me... Too many players had a bad night, and the team had a bad yeah. night. So it happens. you got to bounce back. And uh, you didn't win a game that uh, statistically you probably should have based on where the teams are in the standings and, and based on the talent level. And now if you want to come home 500 or better on this road trip, you're going to have to win a game that you probably shouldn't win against the top two teams in the Central Division. 
Um, before we uh, get to some final thoughts, and uh, we'll be hearing from head coach Ryan Huska and a little bit more uh, a little bit later on as our Flames Talk postgame show continues. Our marquee matchup tonight in the pregame show brought to you by Country Hills Toyota. We were focusing on tomorrow, Thursday, being American Thanksgiving. The team will all be going to Blake Coleman's house to celebrate Thanksgiving just outside of Dallas. And there's that number, right? There's that number of 70s, just over 76% of teams since the 05-06 season with three exclusions, um, a couple of shortened seasons and a COVID-shortened season. Um 70, a little more than 76% of teams who are in a playoff spot at U.S. Thanksgiving end up going to make the playoffs. Wilsey, how much, uh, how much are we buying into that this U.S. Thanksgiving? Well, it's a stat. You can't argue with it. I mean, it is what it is, right? Um, but here's the good news. The Flames right now are only two points out of a playoff spot. Uh, they have been as many as five points out on a number of days this year. So they're back to within two of the Kraken, and they have one game in hand. What you don't want is to be in the situation the Oilers are in. So the Oilers are eight points out of the second wild card. And I'm not sure what's worse, being eight points out going into U.S. Thanksgiving or having to climb over one, two, three, four, five, six teams to get into one of the two wild card spots. That's the key for me. You can't fall behind too many teams because catching one or two teams is tough with all these three-point games. Catching five or six, good luck to you. So Flames are, are still right in the thick of things. They've got to get by three teams to get into a playoff spot. They've played less than a quarter of their schedule. They're not where they want to be, um, but after uh, a tough start to the season, 2-7-1, and one, they're in a way better spot than I thought they would be uh, heading into American Thanksgiving. Yeah, and I think, you know, if they were eight points out of a wild card spot like the Oilers, I would put a little bit more stock into it. But since they're only two points out, Mm -hmm. doesn't, you know, have as much weight for me. But if they play the way that they played tonight, I say hmm. no chance. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it it depends which team is going to show up down the stretch here. And for me, this is a little bit different because of all the whispers we're hearing, right, Pat? With what direction is this team going to go mm-hmm. in? Are they going to push for a playoff spot? Yeah. Are they yeah. going to retool? Are they going to rebuild? This isn't like my first nine seasons covering the Flames, where these questions did not pop up in the middle of the season. Mm -hmm. Not once, at least not to this extent. Now, for me, it's way more about, okay, if this team isn't in a good spot, you've got four pretty high-profile pending UFAs that you have to make decisions on. Mm -hmm. And whether it's the player saying, hey, I want to play for a contender, or the team saying, hey, we can't commit, long-term to you because we want to go in another direction. I think the the 13, is it 13 games between now and Christmas, Pat? It's 15 games between now and okay. Christmas. I, I highlighted 13. And if you add on Anaheim and Los Angeles, those are the last two. So 15. Well, the Kings are a really good team, I know, too. I probably should have added on those two because it's tough to play in California. So yeah. 15 tough games between now and Christmas. Yeah, so I think the next 15 games are going to determine the direction the Flames go in. I agree. If, if they can get back to the team they were during that eight-game stretch where they went 5-1-2, and two, even nine-game stretch, going back to that 4-3 that loss to the Stars where they played well enough to win, then I think that team is going to be right in the thick of things. But if they play like they did tonight or during 
most of that six-game losing streak, then I think they're going to make uh, the decisions easy for Don Maloney and, and Craig Conroy and the Flames management group. Uh, so th- this next stretch is going to be really important. And Craig Conroy has been really patient, and I commend him for that because I'm sure that as a first-time general manager, other GMs around the league have been trying to take advantage of him, and he hasn't taken a bad offer. Um so I'm anxious to see how he proceeds here. But the way I see it, because he went into the season and because we're almost a quarter of the way into the season and he hasn't made a move, I'm not sure there's any urgency to do so right now. Mm-hmm. So I think you can give this team, unless they fall off a cliff, until Christmas mm-hmm. to show everybody who they are. Are we good enough to compete or are we not? And then go from there. So it all starts Friday night with that uh, game against the Stars. Let's hear from head coach Ryan Huska right now. His post-game thoughts following a tough 4-2 loss in Nashville. Ryan, just maybe your uh, your viewpoint on tonight's hockey game. Um, I thought we were slow and sloppy. That's the best way I could probably put it for the entire night. Any moments where that seemed to shift at all, or did, was it pretty consistent? Pretty, pretty consistent. Yeah. Is that more with something they're doing, or we're all kind of internal? Um, I, I thought they skated tonight, for sure. They did, and I thought they were more competitive than we were. So whether it was them or if it was our inability to do that stuff, it's, it's probably a combination of both. Did you get the sense that a guy like Gilbert was trying to drag you guys into the fight? Oh, sure. I mean, um, he's, he's been out of the lineup for a bit, and that's the type of defenseman he is. And, um, good on him for coming in and doing what he did. And I thought he's probably our best defenseman when you really look at the sixes of old tonight. So he did a really good job coming in like that and um, trying to get a little bit of emotion, emotion and engagement in the game. Is the, the throwing stick at the end almost symbolic of the frustration that was clearly being felt on that bench? Yeah. I, I don't they, – they know they didn't play well. Um, so do we. But yeah, I know there's, there's little times in the games where, you, you know, that's <laughs> – you don't have to do stuff like that either. I, I get it, but you don't have to do it. Yeah. And Noah talked about um, you know what those moments as you just described with Dennis, but um, you know Cesar stepping up for a yeah. teammate too. I mean, what does that mean to the group? Yeah, it's it's important for sure. I mean, that's your your teammates, and you're always competing with the guy beside you. Um, when you have guys that stand up for each other, it makes you feel that much better on the ice all the time. So it's something that uh, we want our players to be like, for sure. It's the same around our net. We want guys to be hard in front of our net so our goalies don't get bumped or touched. All that stuff matters at the end of the day. Didn't come into play or help us the way we would have liked to have seen it tonight, but that stuff matters. Just feel like a missed opportunity. You probably talked to them before the game about getting to 500 with a win tonight. Well, it missed opportunity for sure. It's just the, the, the more disappointing is the way we played tonight, Eric. I think that was the the part that they're probably not happy with and we're not happy with. Yeah. And it's a little out of character because you, you have been playing well up to yeah, we have been. late. Um, so it was a step back tonight, but now it's, uh, it's, it's how you respond a lot of times, right? We talked about that a lot this year, so it's time to respond. There you go, head coach Ryan Huska post-game in Nashville where the Flames fall 4-2 to the Predators. It's Pat Steinberg, Derek Wills, Megan Mickelson around the table. Phone lines open at 403-240-4444. Text line open at 960-960. We will get to your phone calls and texts very shortly, but right now some final thoughts from our broadcast crew, starting with Mick. Yeah, I think for me it's just – And not so much just final thoughts on the game, but final thoughts of, you know, the season up to this point and what we've seen from this team. And, you know, the biggest takeaway is that 
they need to find a way to play well consistently. Like they've been way too hot and cold, up and down. Almost saw you look at the third period against Seattle and then you look at the entire game tonight and that's two different teams and at very opposite ends of the spectrum and you need to find a way to to bridge that gap and to bring a really consistent game night in and night out and that starts with each individual player and preparing the way you need to to show up and to play a really good hockey game so that your team can put together uh, a really solid collective effort so it's accountability on each individual to show up uh, and play the way that you need to play and work as hard as you can um, for your team I'm not saying they lost this game because one player was unavailable but only one rookie in the NHL has more points in the month of November than Connor Zeri and that's Connor Bedard and they missed number 47 tonight they missed his energy they missed his creativity mm-hmm. and hopefully he'll be back on Friday uh, I'm going to be short and not so sweet with my postgame comments which is usually a challenge for me uh, a bad night on pretty much all fronts for this team and in other ways as well so my fingers are crossed that things will be better on Friday and the last time the Flames and the Stars played it was a heck of a hockey game Calgary could have defeated Dallas that night, and uh, I'm looking forward to a good game on Friday night. Uh, we will uh, talk to you all later this week. Thank you, friends. Okay, good Thanks, night, Pat. Pat. Uh, Mick and Wilsey are signing off on this Wednesday night as the Flames fall 4-2 in Nashville, and uh, that's they now drop to 1-1 one one on this four-game road trip that continues Friday night in Dallas. Hey, the text line is open at 960-960. Lots to get to there. The phone lines are open at 403 444. Just a quick look. There's a few lines open if you want to jump in on the phone lines on this Wednesday evening. So phone calls, texts, and uh, more inside the Flames locker room around the corner. Flames fall 4-2 in Nashville. Flames Talk postgame is available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Calgary Flames Hockey on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. The Flames Talk postgame show continues from the downtown studio on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. All right, phone lines are open. We're a little slow on this Wednesday, so if you want to jump in, uh, do so now. You won't get a busy signal if you're listening live at 403-240-4444. Text line is open at 960-960, following a 4-2 loss on the road in Nashville. Pretty ugly game, all things considered, for the Flames. Didn't like much of what we saw at all. Uh, Poor first. Actually, you know what? Not a poor first. A uh, passable first. Poor second. And just kind of... I don't know, like a very timid swat in the third period. They got outshot. They got outchanced. You know, for all the talk about Calgary's resiliency and their ability to come back in games, eh, they didn't look like they were going to come back in this one tonight. That third period was pretty pedestrian. And uh, as a result, they fall back down to 7-9-3 at nine and three on the year as they're now two games into a four-game road trip that continues Friday in Dallas and Saturday in Colorado. It's Steinberg along with you at 403-240-4444. Text line open at 960-960. Uh, we're available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's uh, go back to Bridgestone Arena in Nashville hear from Noah Hannafin who spoke post-game following a 4-2 loss. Yeah, I think Chris just kind of laid it out but um, you know maybe just kind of your your thoughts on how tonight went. Yeah I mean it wasn't obviously our, our best game by any means you know I didn't think uh, 
I think we had a, a great start and then it kind of carried over into the second and um, just I think on both sides of the puck we, we were a little sloppy and disconnected uh, tonight which is something uh, we've been pretty good at as of late so I think this is uh, obviously a game you just got to you know learn from a little bit take tomorrow and then get ready for, for two big games coming up. And Chris mentioned just yeah that you know not being connected really slowed the game down for you guys is that fair that you felt slower tonight? Yeah for sure I mean I think uh, just our transition game you know we're fast in the neutral zone that's when we're, we're dangerous we get a four check going get some always zone time I think tonight we were just uh just a little slow with it you know the d weren't really too good in our gaps tonight and i think our forwards were just a little stretched out and you know we just uh, weren't playing our game so it's uh uh that's the result nice to see the boys stepping up for one another with the physicality and the fighting absolutely i mean that's you just a big part of it whether you're you're winning or losing games you know that, that's stuff that matters and goes a long way when you see guys like z and, and gibby you know stepping up to play and answering the bell you know that's uh that's good for the morale of the team and, and uh you know that's something that was uh, definitely noticed by us tonight what about, uh, you know, I, I know it's still hard to look at the goaltender, but Jacob, you know, obviously was pretty sensational back there. What did you make of just what he gave you through here tonight? Yeah, I mean, he's, he's been a stud for us this year so far, and uh, tonight's an example where he, he played really good, but we got to be a lot better in front of him, and, and uh, he's doing it. And, you know, when you get goaltending like that, you know, we got to be better and, and uh, you know, create some more chances and give up a little bit less, great A chances. So, um, you know, marky has been great for us all year. Does it feel like a missed opportunity given – how hard the, the schedule also gets, but also you could have got to 500. I mean, yeah, I mean, that was definitely a, a goal for us tonight coming to this game. We knew where we were at, and, um, you know, I think it's just one game at a time. You know, we know we got a, a tough schedule here coming up with some good teams, but it's just one at a time. You know, take tomorrow, reset a little bit, you know, look at what we did wrong tonight, get better at it, and uh, go out and have a big game against Dallas. So that's all we can really control. There's Noah Hannafin postgame in Nashville. Let's get to tonight's save of the game, brought to you by Shane Holmes. You heard Noah talking about Jacob Markstrom, who had his save of the game in period number three. It's the Predators two and the Flames one, still. That was the score at the end of one and at the end of two, and it's still the score. Eight minutes into the third, there's a giveaway, and Markstrom dives to stop Trenton. A miraculous save by the Flames goaltender. Predators still pressing. That uh, was, when it was all said and done, one of the 42 stops made by Jacob Markstrom tonight. He was just fine. Uh, can't really find much fault in number 25 this evening. Save of the game brought to you by Shane Holmes. For every save a Flames goaltender makes, Shane Holmes makes a donation to Kids Sport Calgary. Visit ShaneHolmes.com, the better way to build. Yeah, uh, for Jacob, his personal point streak snapped at four. He was 3-0-1 in his last four starts prior to tonight. He ends up uh, making 42 on 46 in the loss this evening. I will say that take a look at what Dan Vladar did Monday in Seattle, what Jacob's done here recently. Goaltending's been fine from a Flames standpoint, but not a lot of offensive punch in this game and uh, just the overall team game step back after what we've seen the last seven or eight. Let's get to the text line for the first time tonight at 960. 960. Um... What do we got here? Uh, this says that's a bad challenge and not understanding the rules. Uh, talking about the challenge in the third period on the Carrier goal. You know, I don't actually mind the challenge because I think you're waiting to see whether or not the Nashville player touched it. If the Nashville player even grazed that puck, it's a no goal. Turns out on replay, he didn't. But if you're the Flames, you don't have a ton of time to look at that, A. And B, you might as well give it a go. You're down 2-1 in a game that you're generating zero offense in. I actually didn't mind the challenge. 
it was the right call. As as frustrating as that Carrier goal is, there's zero wrong. Like, they did not get it wrong. That was 100% the right call and the right decision. But I actually didn't mind the challenge itself personally. Um... This says, Pat, can we chalk this loss up to having a night in Nashville? I don't know. I have no idea what they did on Broadway last night. Uh, This from Ash. By far the most lethargic, least energetic game I've seen the Flames play this year. They looked like they were playing three games in four nights, even though that, of course, wasn't the case. I'm curious to know if you think Columbus would be willing to part with Marchenko in a potential Lindholm trade. I would think, you know, that would be the type of player you might be able to get your hands on if... If, if the Flames decide to go down that road with Lindholm and potentially Columbus would be a team that looks at him, I don't know. The opportunity to reunite Lindholm with Gaudreau I know is one that a lot of people have talked about. So yeah, that's the type of player that I think you might be targeting if you're the Flames in a deal for Lindholm. I don't think that's crazy at all. Uh, Brennan says, brittle game all round. The Flames did hit a lot of posts, which would have changed things. Very poor away from the puck and defensively. Hand pass goal was fine. Uyghur should have allowed the Preds to touch it, which would have stopped play, but it's a fast game and hard to think that quickly. Hopefully they get back to work on Friday. Uh, (laughs) Excuse me. Magarsa says, with every loss now, it's a blessing. Management can't think this is the team to take them to the promised land. Trade all the UFAs. See what you can get for Kadri as he stated he has no desire to stick around for a rebuild. Even though the owners don't want to go through a full rebuild, I think his fans were ready for it. I don't think the timing can be any better with the new barn hopefully ready by 2027. I think the worst thing ownership can do is not have a good product on the ice when the new arena opens. Hashtag embrace the suck. I don't really believe the Flames will go into a full-on tank mode. I really don't. Uh, however, I do think that there is a pretty decent chance that 75 to 100% of the UFAs will be dealt and that they'll bring back picks, prospects, and young NHLers uh, in those deals. I like the Marchenko idea, by, uh, for, for instance, from Ash a little earlier. I think that's a good one. Uh, I brought up on Tuesday's Flames Roundtable with Wes and Wilsey, uh, Olin Zellweger in da- Anaheim as a potential young NHL-ready D-man you could uh, target. Uh, there, there's, just, there's a lot of names out there that I think that you could look at in each organization that would be young and would be a player that, yeah, wouldn't be as good as the player you're trading away right now, but maybe could be down the road and get him into the lineup now. Start him playing in the NHL and go from there. So we'll see. Um, this says, with the upcoming schedule, does anyone actually think this will be a playoff team? Well, it'll be interesting to see um, how well the Flames play in this next 15-game gauntlet. In this next 15 games, they play Vegas twice, they play Colorado twice, they've got Carolina, New Jersey, Florida, Tampa Bay, Los Angeles, they, they have Vancouver's in there. Like, they have got an absolute murderer's row coming up when it comes to their upcoming schedule. So we'll see if, there, if, if that determines what we actually think of this team. What I do think is that we'll learn a little bit more, you know, They've now played 101 games since the beginning of last season. I feel like I've got a pretty good read on what this team is, but I'll feel that much more confident after this next 15-game stretch or even partway through this 15-game stretch. Um, Javier says uh, from... 
Javier from Calgary says, Zadorov played one of his worst games of the year, giving away the puck like a stampede <laughs> pancake breakfast. It all started when he asked for a trade. If the guy doesn't want to be here, let him go. Let's get something for him and make it work. Markstrom played solid. Too bad everyone in front of him was subpar. I still think they're a top-tier team. Consistency will make or break them. Uh, this says, I did not know how much difference Zeri would make. This team looks lost without him. You know how good Zeri is when he's only gone one game and it's immediately noticeable. Thoughts on that. Um, you know, the I, I definitely think they missed him. I don't know how much of a difference it would have made the way they played as a team tonight, but I definitely thought they missed his creativity, his playmaking, his energy. I definitely thought they missed Zeri. He's uh, day-to-day right now with a lower body injury. We'll see if he practices tomorrow. He did morning skate today, so that's good uh, That's good news. They practice Thursday in Nashville, uh, sorry, in Dallas, and then they play Friday against the Stars. So we'll see, and, and who knows? Maybe they decide not to practice on Thursday, but um, – I think there's a decent enough chance he plays in one of the next two, uh, but yeah, I, I think they. I definitely think they missed him. I just don't know how much of a difference it would have made. Great stuff on the text line at 960-960. That's uh, your text. Now let's get to the phone lines. They are open for you with a couple of lines open at 403-240-4444. Call now if you want to chat on our Flames Talk post-game show. We're on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts, and of course, live right here on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. Let's say hello to George following a 4-2 loss in Nashville. What's up, George? Not much, Patty. How are you doing tonight? I'm good. So, <laughs> that last four minutes were absolutely amazing. What, what was going on when the penalty shot was called and we could literally hear everything on the ice? Like, okay, can I can I ask you a question? Can I can I was yeah. was that on the telecast too? Yeah. So it was on sports uh, that. Uh, so, no, no. So I don't know because I was listening to you guys. Okay, okay. I don't know if it got Sorry, on TV or not. That. The feed that we were getting, yeah. yeah, had a live ref mic that we couldn't turn down. Um, and oh, wow. uh, yeah, there were some f bombs. We apologize for them. Yeah, no. I was list- I was listening to you guys. I was listening to the radio, so I, sh- I should have mentioned that. Um, I'll have to go watch and watch the pop the replay on and see. But yeah, that was wild. I was like, what's going on here? Yeah, it was something else, man. Plus, like, what a crazy <laughs> – like, what is Uyghur doing? <laughs> Takes a holding call after he coughs up the puck. So they're going to go to the – and then just, like, that, that's that's a that's a road hockey thing. <laughs> like, you throw your stick when you're frustrated or trying to like, – I, I, I can't ever remember seeing that. That was a move I used to pull back when I was a kid and played road hockey and I got beat. Like that Yeah, absolutely. You get beaten road hockey, you're running back, you're like, oh, I'll throw my <laughs> stick at the guy. Excellent. Hey, man, if we're going to lose, at least we could be entertained doing so, right? It was entertaining. Oh, 100%. Um, you know what's not entertaining is this Flames power play. Ooh, it's utterly pathetic. And here's the thing, man. The way it's been right now, like you might as well just put the fourth liners up there. If that's the type of urgency they're going to show. And I'm at the point now, because it was like this last year too. To me, this is clearly a personnel issue because like in theory, like I've heard Mark Savard come on on your station and talk. And, and I really, I honestly do. I feel that like he has a smart mind for the power play. I actually like the way he describes it. I like the way he, he has described how it's designed. It's just they're not executing it. I and I just I don't know, man. Like 
so many people will sit there and blame the power play coach, blame the power play coach. But, like, again, like, I don't know. I don't know if we can blame the power play coach on this. And I could be wrong on that, but I, I really don't. Because in theory, I love his strategies and what he's explained because he's actually explained well, on the air what he wants. How much different does the power play look than Kirk Muller? Right? I mean, Kirk Muller took a lot Not of slings and arrows last year as the associate coach, but maybe it's just a personnel thing, right? Yeah, and that's that's I'm I'm being led to that conclusion after two years of this now. You know, because different coaches in that area, right? But same in fact, honestly, it looks worse this year. They look like it's so predictable and they look so stationary like ninety percent of the time. It's crazy. It's yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah, but you guys are right. If they don't, if they don't, I don't even want to use the term "fix it" at this point. If they don't improve it somewhat, like, yeah, they're doomed. I mean, it's just it can't happen. You know, yeah. you can't you can't have that side of special teams. Well, I mean, they're going to be in so many close games this year that yeah, they, they can't. Like, are they are they going to have a league best power play? Well, no, that's just not what no they way. are. But you you've got to have a power play that at the very least can. Um, make things interesting at the very least can give you an offensive boost. And right now they just do not have that. It's, it's not potent at all. They need some potency. It's not potent at all. It's yep. it just, it's laughable. What have you thought of uh, Chris Tanev so far this year? I mean, he's typically like the, the reliable self that he is. I don't think he's been, uh, or, or I think maybe like we've seen him caught, um, I'm trying to think of the right word to put it. Not out of position, but I just I I, I wonder if um, the foot speed just at his age is, has taken a very slight step back. And the only reason I say that is because he has been absolutely belted by opposing players way more than I have ever seen him get hit before. Um, so that has been that has been something that I've noticed. But I still think he's their most reliable defender when, when you talk about pure defending. That really hasn't changed for me. Yeah, it's funny because that's exactly where I was going to go next is, is the foot speed. I was going to actually bring that up. He looks like he's slowing down. And I'm not like even – it's not so much a criticism. I think it's it's him getting older and a combination of how phys, how, how physically – There's a lot the of miles on that does. body, right? Yeah, man. Yeah, and that's one guy – like you're never gonna hear me like start slagging him because he sacrificed a ton for this team. Like if this is his last season in Calgary, he's given us everything and more. So that's one guy like you won't hear me say too many bad things about mm-hmm. because he, he, like that guy's put himself through literal hell sometimes. Like even like you know a couple years ago in the playoffs, the guy's arm is literally hanging off his body. Like what more can you ask for a player? Mm-hmm. You know he's given everything. Yep. Agreed. Uh, my man, listen, that's all I have for you tonight. But my friend, I was going to wish you a happy Thanksgiving, but I forgot you guys are in Canada. So, Well, I'll, um, I I'll wish you a happy night. Thanksgiving then. It's, uh, it's, it's officially Thanksgiving where you are. So uh, enjoy the holiday, hey? I'll try my best, my man. I hope you I hope you have a good night, and uh, we'll talk very soon. Thanks, George. Appreciate it, pal. 403-240-4444 is your phone number following a Flames 4-2 loss in Nashville. Bunch of lines open. We're slow on this late Wednesday, so if you want to jump in, now's the time to do so. You won't get a, a busy signal, I can tell you that much. Uh, let's say hello to another George. George, two on our Flames Talk post game. What's up, George? Hey, yeah, I'm all. Thank you, so. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Is that uh, I do not recognize this uh, this number. It's not a North American number. So is that uh, is that down under where you're calling from? 
No, no, no. I'm calling from London. Oh, that's uh, I, I, that is definitely a uh, British accent, not an Aussie accent. So you're calling from. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. How we how we doing in London tonight? Slash, well, geez, it's like uh, early morning there. Yeah, I've just finished a night shift, so it's about six in the morning. But yeah, it's just about six in the morning. But yeah, I managed to listen to the second and third period um, whilst in between working. Um, it just sounds like one of those nights, really, doesn't it? But um, it also sounded like they took quite a few penalties in the sort of last minutes of the third. Yeah. They could have got something back there, but, you know, what can you do? Um, I only really have one question for you, um, and that was, uh, what, what do you think the ceiling is? for the? Well, what sort of picks do you think we could get for Zadorov? Would it be like a second round, or would it be better as part of a package? So one of the other UFOs. I've, I mean, there, there seems to be a significant amount of interest in him, in Zadorov, and so I, I, I think that you'd be able to get a pretty decent return. I think you could get probably two assets, um, and so I, I've thrown out like, could you get a second and a third? Could you get two seconds? Like, could you do a second this year and a second next year? I, I don't think that's crazy, especially if you get New Jersey and Dallas and Toronto and Vancouver all all kind of playing off one another. Big defenseman who can move and can skate. Um, I, I, I think that you could get that for sure. Yeah, no, I, I, I highly rate him. I, I was, I'd keep him if we could. I mean, it's good. I, I also hear that he's got into a bit of a scrap tonight as well. He did. So, yep, he uh, got into a scrap after uh, was defending a teammate. Yeah, so I mean, I'm, I, I know there's a few things going around that you know they're not happy with him in the room, but maybe that might t- turn the tide a little bit um, with with the room, maybe. But it does look like he's obviously requested a trade, so he will be off, but. Um, yeah, no. I mean, I, that's that's all I've really got. That's all I really want, wanted to ask. I mean, I'm a first time caller, obviously, but because um, of the time difference. But uh, yeah. yeah, I found the show about three years ago. Been a fan ever since, and I've been a, I've been a fan of the Flames for about 14 years. But oh, how you? So yeah. how how did you become a fan of the Flames? Um, so my some some family visit Banff uh, every year. Like since since I can remember, um, and they went to they'd done like an experience thing where they went and watched the watch uh, watch a game, and they brought me back um, like the little printout you get of like the, the like the starting lineups yeah. and stuff, and just sort of fell in love with the game. I started playing when I was about ten years old, and I'm 24 now, so I actually managed to get to go to my first Flames game last season, which was uh, the Battle of Alberta, um, just after just after Christmas. Oh no way! That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so you, yeah, so you've uh, you've been you've been to Calgary before? Yeah, that was the first time. Okay, I've, I've only managed to, to to go there just the once, which is yeah, like I say, um, for Christmas last year. Spent some time in Banff and Calgary. It was yeah, amazing. So I'm coming back in uh, April because you know just just want to get back out to. Today, uh, to your country, I just yeah, love it. Yeah, well, uh, make sure that uh, make sure that you uh, call back again, and we'll uh, we'll see if we can't uh, hook you up with a uh, cool little behind the scenes thing when you're uh, when you're over. That's uh, that's super neat that you're coming back. So uh, call back again. We'll we'll see if we can't make something happen. Yeah, cheers. Thanks for that. Thanks for taking the call. Okay, George, be well. Get some sleep. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll do. Okay, okay, man. Thanks for calling. That was awesome. Right. 
Uh, there's George in London. That's pretty neat. Uh, 403-240-4444 is your phone number. So George in South Carolina, followed by George in London. George, uh, regular George, you're now no longer the furthest away George. I, I think uh, George crossed the Atlantic's got you beat in that regard. Let's say hello to Anand on this Wednesday night. What's up, Anand? Good evening, Patty. This is Anand from Calgary. How are you? <laughs> I'm good, Anand from Calgary. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing good. Yeah, tough game tonight, uh, definitely. I just want to point out a couple of things I like from the gender. So, first of all, Markstrom, he's been great. He was one of the best players I could give a credit out to tonight, uh, despite the loss. Uh, the second one, I like how Zadorov actually stepped into uh, what we call do a fight when Pospisil got hit. Uh, so, I appreciated that too. And then uh, Sharon Govich, he looked good too as well with a late, uh, what do you call it, the la- uh, last late goal yep. uh, uh, that we had. So one question for you, uh, what do you think went wrong tonight? Is it the absence of Connor Zari? I know Kadri didn't look uh, too well because uh, he didn't have Zari in the lineup. Do you think that's one of the reasons that pulled them back tonight? Or I, think that they, I think they missed him. I definitely think that not having Zeri's energy, they missed him. I don't think it was the main reason. They just looked very – I think it was uh, – I don't remember who the – I think it was Brennan who texted earlier. And, uh, oops, there goes Anand. I uh, don't know what happened there. Um, by uh, Anand, sorry, uh, uh, we uh, accidentally hung up on you there. Um but uh, I, I think that the biggest thing, uh, and apologies again to, you know what, I see him calling back right now. I'll just pop him right on there. Uh, and, and sorry, we accidentally hung up on you. You're back with us live. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'll just continue answering the question. Um, yeah, yeah I, think, I think they missed Zary, and I think that he, he would have maybe given them a little bit of a spark or more of a spark, but I also think that the team was so lethargic and so poor just as a team that I don't know how much it would have changed things. So they missed him, yes, but I don't think it was that – I don't think it would have changed things had he played, to be perfectly honest with you. All right. And one question more, maybe. Uh, Jonathan Hubert, do you think uh, – or how do you think he played tonight? He was also doing poor tonight despite the line, uh, line he had no, with Backland. I thought he was uh, – I thought he was okay tonight. I thought offensively he was pretty uh, – he was – one of their more dynamic players. So I actually didn't mind uh, Huberto's game from that standpoint. The, uh, the He did have the one giveaway that led to the shorthanded goal as he was trying to enter the zone on a power play. But I thought I thought overall Huberto was, was fine, thought he was pretty dangerous, pretty dynamic offensively. All right. And for goaltending-wise, maybe we can see Mushroom again on Friday and then uh, Dan Blader on Saturday because I think I saw... Uh, that Dan Blagger has good numbers against the Avalanche, correct? Yeah, that's my guess, is that they go Markstrom on Friday and then go to Vladar on Saturday against the Avalanche. And, and for that reason, I'm just going to pull up the career numbers uh, against the Avalanche. Uh, he is... Uh, one and one career against the Avalanche with a 925. He played really good. 925 save percentage. Played really good in there recently. Uh, I believe last season he played really well in there at, at uh, whatever it's called now. It used to be the Pepsi Center. I forget what it's called now. Uh, but wherever the Avalanche play, and yeah, yeah I uh, and it might still be the Pepsi Center. But 
Yeah, I, I that would be my guess. Markstrom against Dallas and uh, Vladar against Colorado. All right, then, Brad, uh, last thing. Have you thought about the question I asked you maybe uh, last week? I have, but here's about- my here's my advice. So you yeah. asked, like, what are some questions I like to ask hockey players when interviewing them? Um, yeah. I try not to think about I, – I, or not that I try not to think about it. I try to, like, have some questions I want to ask to a player going into an interview. But I, I try not – like, I, I don't like to be formulaic with it. Um, so I think it changes from player to player. And I think it's important to have two or three questions that you have researched and specifically want to ask an interview subject. And then yeah. it's also important to – actively listen and be able to ask a question based on what an interview subject says. So, yeah, I I don't have any questions that I I like to ask to each one. It's all case dependent. And and just make sure that you don't follow too much of a script when you're asking questions. Be ready to, you know, uh, ask some questions based on what the uh, person you're interviewing says. All right, sounds good. Yeah, I'll be live tomorrow at the Western Canada Showdown under 18 tournament uh, doing post-game and pre-game interviews. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Okay, thanks for your advice, Pat. Have a good night and talk to you soon. Good luck, buddy. Appreciate it, Ann. And uh, final score, Flames take a 4-2 win. Uh, for the, try that again. Flames fall 4-2 on the road in Nashville to the Predators uh, in game two of this four-game road trip. We got full lines open at 403-240-4444. As uh, we say hello to Travis. What's going on, Trav? Hey, Patty. What's going on? Not um, much, man. By the way, by the way, Ball Arena is what it's called in Denver. Thank you to Derek Wills. I could, I knew it wasn't Pepsi Center. I just couldn't remember what it was called anymore. Ball Arena. Anyway, uh, Trav, what's on your mind? Not much, man. Um, kind of sucks I lost tonight, but uh, what can you do? Um Real um, Hannafin had a pretty good game, I thought overall. Though he, he's really skated well and got some goals recently. So, um, does that? Do you think there'd be any chance of Hannafin staying, or you think all ships have sailed? Obviously, I mean, I, I don't know if it is uh, guaranteed that all ships have sailed, but my guess is that we see. Um, my my guess is that yeah, we see Hannafin. Tanev, Zadorov, and Lindholm all traded. Um, no, no, fair enough. Why? What are they going to do about the power play? They really need that to. Uh, I don't know. Get going. Like, <laughs> um, I got nothing for you on that one, man. Like it is, uh, it's an issue. It's not very good. Um, it it needs to be better. But you know, I know that. Right now, Mark Savard's taking a lot of slings and arrows, and um, you know that that happens when you're a coach brought in with a certain reputation of of being a good power play coach, and then the power play isn't very good. I get that, but you know maybe it's not just a coaching thing, as we talked about a little earlier. You know, like the last year, everybody thought Kirk Muller was the reason why the power play wasn't very good. Well, maybe it comes down to the fact they just don't have a lot of high end personnel on this power play. You know. Yeah, I guess you're probably right. They they don't have a sniper. Like they're lacking that like absolute rocket of a finisher that can finish regularly. Um, I feel like they have a lot of guys that have to work really hard to score goals, which probably indicates maybe they're not uh, 
they don't have that elite elite shot, you know. Which they don't, especially if you take yeah. Foley out of the mix, which he is now, right? So they they just they do not have a high end finisher. They're they're probably the closest they've got is Lindholm. Yeah, fair enough. Um, do you think we see? I, I know you're maybe talking about it earlier, but. Do you think Coronado would do, would that be your first call up again? I would have called him up like three or four. I would have called him up a while ago. Um, maybe you don't do it on this road trip because the the Wranglers are playing in Calgary. Maybe you let them finish this homestand with the Wranglers. Um, they they played the two against Tucson, and they played two this weekend uh, against Abbotsford, I believe. Um, so maybe you uh, maybe you let them finish out this homestand and then recall them. But, uh, yeah, I, I I absolutely would be thinking about – by the way, the Wranglers won on this Wednesday night 4 nothing over Tucson. Uh, I, I absolutely would be recalling them for sure. The Wranglers are a wagon, eh? Hopefully that will translate to the flames sometime. Um, well, and I mean, on, on the Coronado front, he's point per game since uh, he's got – I don't know what he had in the game. Uh, I'm just looking quickly right now, see what he did against um, – against Tucson. Uh, Coronado had two more assists, and now he's ahead of point per game. Uh, I believe he's up to 11 and 10 since uh, he joined the Wranglers. I, I'd recall him I'd recall him ASAP. Maybe you don't do it on this trip. Maybe you do. I would. Um, but maybe you wait until Flames are back at home and, and go about it that way. But, yeah, I, I think it's time to bring him back up for sure. Because he has a pretty good shot, too. Maybe you could add him to the power play right now. That just gives you a little bit different I mean, look. it's anything on the power play would be better than what's going on right now. Maybe you should get on the power play. Well, okay. Well, let's not go that far. <laughs> I'm just joking. Um, yeah, they need that power play. It's, it's, it's killing them in games. It's actually, uh, like I said, in the last, last time I called it. Yeah. It hurts their momentum, momentum sometimes. It's sometimes a hindrance for like, you want your power play to at the very worst, not, take momentum away well it's taken momentum away a lot of times and uh, what about Markstrom this year um, he's been solid most of the year yeah Maybe. I got I got I really know. nothing poor to say about Markstrom's season so far yeah like I think uh, big bounce back so far for him I think it's uh, very nice to see and uh, he gives you confidence every night that he could keep you in the game you know yeah um, and for me Dubé, I don't know. I think we need more out of Dubé. I guess he's looked better the last couple of games. But, but you know, at one point in the summer, they were talking about signing Dubé to over $5 million, I believe, on a long-term deal. No, they weren't. Um, that was just me who suggested that. Uh, okay, well, fair, fair enough. But where do you see that going now? Um, I mean, look, I still think Dubé is a – bonafide NHLer. Um, and, oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. And I actually, I didn't mind Dubé tonight. I actually thought he was one of their uh, better players and one of their guys that was actually going in this game. Um, so I, I didn't mind him on that line at all. Um, you know, part of the problem with Dylan is that because he can play all the forward positions, sometimes he gets typecast as a little bit of a Swiss Army knife, which I think makes it and and I guess you could call this an excuse if you wanted to but I think sometimes he gets typecast as a little bit of you know the versatile guy so a lot of times it's been difficult for him to find a permanent spot and 
be part of like a permanent forward pair. So I, I'm still a big fan of Dubé's game. And so I, I, I think that there is reason to believe he's part of this, um, that he's part of the group long-term. Others aren't as big a fan and that's fine. But um, I, I, that was me who brought up the the numbers uh, just based on just based on what he'd done in the past and um, you know how you sometimes want to sign deals that project maybe that was a little lofty when I threw it out there but uh, I didn't mind Dubé tonight thought he was fine tonight yeah no he's fine tonight I just wonder if maybe we need yeah we just have a lot of players that are kind of you know sub six foot and 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 um, aren't like high-end point guys, really. I know Dubé was projecting in that direction, but I think so far this year, he's taken a step back from last year. Um, and one last one, I think Huberto, uh, he, he was fine tonight. He had a check. He had two two or three nice passes, maybe even more, but three that I remember yeah. right on the stick that, that weren't buried. If, if he was passing them, maybe a little bit of a more elite shooter. Um, those have a better chance of making it in, in as well, right? Yep. But, but I, I, I think it's. I think the Flames will be. I think they'll work hard most of the year. I think we'll see similar results to to last year, where very very bubble playoff team at best. And we'll see and, what happens. Um, we'll we'll see what happens with some of their trades as well, right? That'll that'll yeah. definitely change things in terms, or could change things in terms of their competitiveness level and such. So we'll see how that turns out too. Appreciate it, Trav. I got to roll. Yeah, thanks, man. Good, good to hear from you, man. Uh, okay, uh, phone lines are open at 403-240-4444. If you're on hold, stay there. We'll definitely get to you. You can still call now if you want to join us on Flames Talk postgame this evening following a 4-2 Flames loss on the road in Nashville. Let's select tonight's Player with Heart. Brought to you by HeartFit Clinic. And uh, tonight's player with heart, we're going to go with uh, Andrew Mangiapane. I thought uh, Mangiapane was one of the few forwards that felt like he was going tonight. He uh, led the team with six shot attempts. He led the team with, uh, actually was second on the team with four shots, led the team with four scoring chances, and was second on the team with two slot attempts. So I'll go Andrew Manchapani, who I thought had a decent game tonight, as our player with heart. Player with hearts brought to you by HeartFit Clinic. For heart fit assessments and proven treatments not available at your doctor's office, visit heartfit.ca. Let's go back into the Flames locker room for a final time. Hear from Chris Tanev post-game following his team's loss against the Preds. Chris, maybe just uh, kind of take us through this game from your perspective. Yeah, obviously not a good game. Slow. Leave Marky out to dry. A million scoring chances against. So um, definitely one that uh, we need to move past and, and learn from because we, uh, we have some good teams coming up. Was it something uh, they were doing to kind of block some of that speed, or more you guys? No, just our game it wasn't there. It's as I said, we're slow. We weren't connected. Huge gap between our, our forwards and D, so um, it allows them to, to skate through the neutral zone with with a lot of pucks and generate uh, a lot of chances. It's surprising given how well you guys have been playing lately. Yeah, I mean, chance to get to back to 500, huge would have been a. A huge win, so I mean, and we definitely laid an egg. So, um, as I said, we're gonna have to learn from this and 
and get ready for a, a good team in Dallas uh, in two days. You mentioned Markstrom. The goal total could have been a lot different uh, had he not uh, basically stood on his head uh, through the whole game. Yeah, I mean, Marky is awesome. He's been been awesome the whole year. So um, made a made a bunch of big saves uh, that allowed us to, to hang around and have it 2-1 with uh, eight minutes left in the game or whatever it was. There you go. Chris Tanev, our final look inside the Flames locker room following tonight's 4-2 loss in Nashville. Let's look ahead. Looking ahead now, brought to you by Oncolytics Biotech, fighting cancer by unleashing the power of the immune system. To learn more about how they use a patient's immune system to battle cancer, visit oncolyticsbiotech.com. Next up for the Flames, game three of this four-game road trip. It goes in Dallas on Friday night. Face-off at 6.30. That game will be on Sportsnet West. Um, Flames lost 4-3 to Dallas earlier this season on home ice. That was back on November 1st. That was their first regulation loss against the Stars in a long time. Uh, prior to November 1st of this season, Flames had gone seven straight games without losing in regulation against Dallas. They're now 5-1-2 in their last eight games head-to-head against the Stars, dating back to November of 2019. So... That's next up for Calgary. Flames and Stars from Dallas, 6.30 on Friday night. The following night, this road trip wraps up uh, on Saturday against the Avalanche. That's at 8 o'clock, and they're back at home Monday to host the Vegas Golden Knights for a 7.30 face-off. That's our Looking Ahead feature. It's brought to you by Oncolytics Biotech, fighting cancer by unleashing the power of the immune system. To learn more about how they use a patient's immune system to battle cancer, visit Oncolytics Biotech. Biotech.com. Back to the full lines uh, we go in a second. Uh, back to the text line we go right now at 96960. Uh, this says, Pat, I'm not a big fan of taking picks for all the UFAs. I think there needs to be at the very least a couple of actual players that you have a pretty good handle on instead of picks. Not talking vets, but guys under 23 or 24 because I think we all know that anything after the first few picks in the draft is a bit of a crapshoot and you can't afford to throw a no-hitter when trading three to five very good players for a retool. I agree. And and I also I, I believe that that is part of what the Flames are looking for. Uh, I don't like. I, I know I've never prescribed or or pushed the idea that you only get picks. I think that a mix of picks, first rounders, need to be a part of it in the Hannafin and Lindholm conversation. I believe, but picks, prospects, depending on the player that goes, obviously that would determine. Uh, what level the prospect would be. But I also think in the mix is the idea of young NHLers. It's why I keep throwing out some different names. Somebody earlier threw out Marchenko's name. I, yesterday on Flames Talk, and I'll, I'll continue throwing out Zellweger's name in in Anaheim. And I think there are multiple other names out there that you could point to. You know, 21, 22-year-old guys who are NHL ready or damn close to being NHL ready who maybe aren't getting the opportunity on their team right now, but if the Flames make some trades, would get some opportunity in Calgary. So I think a mix of those things is what the Flames should be looking for. Picks, prospects, and young NHL-ready players if they are trading away all four of their UFAs. Um, 
This says, uh, regarding the question about if all the free agents get traded, based on what Conroy said about not losing anyone for nothing like what happened with Johnny, all ships have sailed who have not signed an extension by the trade deadline, regardless of where the Flames are in the standings. I agree 100%. I, I, I personally believe that, and, and I know that there are some who are skeptical or worried about this, but it's my belief that if these four guys – especially Hannafin, Lindholm, Zadorov, but I even throw Tanev into the mix. I think if all four of these guys remain unsigned as you approach the trade deadline, I think you know some of them could get moved well before the deadline, but certainly if they're not signed by the deadline, I think they will be moved, regardless of what the standings say. You know, if they're protecting a playoff spot by a few points or a few points out of a playoff spot, I, I honestly believe it won't matter, and I think that's important for Calgary. Uh, they, they need to be pragmatic, and they, they need to look at more than just season, uh, this season, rather, when talking about these players. Um, this says from Avro, Sharon Govich is playing some nifty offensive hockey. I'd like to see him with more power play time and shift it into the top six a little bit more. Also, is there any chance of Shillington playing this year? Is he a contract the Flames could buy out? Um so that is on the uh, on the text line at 960 960 um, I, I, there's a little bit more on Shillington that I don't want to read because I think it's uh, completely off base and uh, not true but uh, Avro I would say that uh, the Flames are going forward as if Shillington won't be back with them. There's no reason to buy out his contract as it expires at the end of this year. Um, so that's what I would say there. This says uh, there's all this interest in Zadorov for a reason. He's a player that the Flames should be keeping, not trading. Well, the fact of the matter is he's requested a trade, so it kind of is, um, yeah, kind of is what it is. He's probably getting dealt. This reads, I love the idea of Zellweger, but Anaheim absolutely will not even entertain the idea of trading him. I played against him when he was in Everett. He has future Norris Trophy potential, not moving him, although I sure do wish the Flames could uh, acquire him. Um, based on based on a few things that I'm aware of, I I think that Zellweger is a guy that could be gotten out of Anaheim, and and I don't think it would just be the Flames. I think there's a chance that Zellweger could move. Um, he's kind of strangely buried on a not so deep depth chart in Anaheim. Um, he's I think he's close to, if not at a point per game with San Diego. Um, Olin Zellweger's a Calgary defenseman, essentially a first-round pick, but officially a second-round pick. He was an early second-round pick in the 2021 draft. He's at 10 points in 13 games with San Diego in his first full year of playing pro hockey. Uh, played four years uh, in Everett and a little bit of time in Kamloops as well in the Western League. Really good player, has got a really high end, um, but he's not the biggest guy. He is an undersized defenseman. He's 5'9", 182, um, and and just, you know, based on some of the things I've been told around the league, that, yeah, there's a lot of interest in Zellweger out there and um, not necessarily um, – it, the, the feel is maybe he could be used a little bit better in Anaheim right now. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm curious. I, I, I think he could be a guy that could be got uh, in, in a trade, not just the Flames, but um, a few different players uh, or a few different teams, I think, could be interested in a player like Zellweger. Um, this says, Pat, time to sell. 
uh, how wild would it be if Edmonton gets another number one with how bad they're playing and the Flames middle out again? That comes from uh, Todd on Six Siga. Uh, I think I said that right because he phonetically put Six Siga. Siga. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't think the Oilers will get the number one pick. I also don't think they're making the playoffs. That's uh, that's me. Um, what else we got here at 960, 960 on the text line? Uh, why the challenge made no sense to me. Again, I didn't mind the challenge, and the only reason I didn't mind it was because you needed to be sure that the Nashville player didn't touch it before Uyghur touched it, and it was damn close, like half a centimeter. Now, the Nashville player didn't touch it, but that's too close. It's a 2-1 game. That's the 3-1 goal to go ahead, and I didn't mind the challenge because you've only got a few seconds to make your decision, and if if the, the way it works is that if that, that pass from Forsberg gets touched by a Predators player, then it's no goal. But because it didn't get touched by a Predators player and Uyghur was the first guy to touch it afterwards, the goal counts. It was the right call made on the ice and the right call made upon video review. But because the Nashville player was like that close to touching it, like literally a centimeter or half a centimeter, I didn't mind the challenge. So I, I thought it was a fine challenge. Uh, this from Sam. Another game they found themselves chasing in. They need to change the narrative and try to play with the lead. Hopefully Zary's not out for too long as he's a key element for their offensive push of late. It's going to be tough sledding with the class of the West back-to-back and some elite teams coming up. One positive tonight, though, was another capital L up north of the highway. Uh, this says, Pat, no doubt that was a hard game to watch. Slow and sloppy like me on Thanksgiving. I know there's bias here, but the officiating looked very lopsided with a few missed calls, including the hand pass and elbow to Hannafin. Not to hand out excuses because they didn't deserve to win, but man, it didn't help. That's from Sean in Calgary. Yeah, there was the the, the elbow, sure. Um, that was missed. There is a, a few that you could have talked about on the other side, but I will say the hand pass, there was nothing wrong with that call. That was the correct call they called it correctly and then uh, upheld it correctly on video review it's unfortunate it sucks and it was very fortunate for the predators but there was nothing nefarious there no missed call nothing like that um Brian says, thoughts on why the Flames' power play is always terrible. I can't remember a time when their power play was in the top five. I do believe the year that they won the Western Conference, 21-22, so a couple years ago, I do believe they had a pretty decent power play. It was not a top five power play that year. I'm just going to pull it up right now. But I believe the year that Johnny had 115 and um, the Flames were a very high-scoring team, they had a decent power play that year. Yeah, they were 10th that year at 22.9. So they were a top-tier or top-third power play time in 21-22 but last two years since then obviously that has not been the case great stuff on the text line at 960-960 this says uh, Pat it it maybe makes no difference but throwing the puck into the crease just can't be allowed regardless of who touches it first I don't know what to tell you that's the rule like the the rule is the rule unless they're going to change the rule that that was called correctly. So there's nothing nefarious there. It was called cor- you don't like the play, sure, but there's nothing wrong 
a hand pass gets called if a teammate touches it. When the other team touches it, the hand pass no longer exists. It's the same with a high stick. It's the same with um, a, a few other things out there. As soon as Uyghur touched it, linesman washes that out. The rules, the rule. I didn't make the rules of hockey. It just, that is what it is. Um, this reads... Um, uh, I don't know who wrote this, but uh, it says, Pat, I've listened to you talk about the Flames and them not playing their game tonight. That This team has no game, and they're not going to for a long time. They have to rebuild, not retool, rebuild. They need to consistently be bad for at least three to four years, and I know many fans don't want to hear that, but there's a good bundle of us that wants that. This team has had a complete snowflake schedule. They have played the lower echelon of teams. Now their schedule gets interesting. They're going to have a hard time. We're going to really see who the Flames are very soon. But please, Pat, tell me, what is the Calgary Flames game you speak of? What is the Calgary Flames brand of hockey, their identity that they seem to have that really puts them near the top of the league? Well, I never said they're at the top of the league. I, My belief was they were going to be a team in the playoff mix, which is where they are now, and what I thought they were going to be coming into the season. So I don't know what you're talking about when it comes to talking about them being the top of the league. What I'm talking about as their game is that, well, over the last eight games prior to tonight, they played much better hockey. They were better on the fourth check they spent more time in the offensive zone they created a whole lot more offensively than they did and they were a lot more buttoned up defensively I don't know what this team's identity is yet that's um a work in progress that we may not find out this year. When you're seven, nine, and three, three through nineteen games, you know maybe you don't have a identity. Most teams probably don't have an identity at seven, nine, and three. But I do think their overall team game has been much better over the last eight games prior to tonight. So that's all I meant. Um, the rest, I mean, you can interpret as you will. Um, as for an overall rebuild compared to a rebuild, uh, retool or reload or whatever you want to call it, I did think I'd go listen to Frank Saravalli on Tuesday's Hour 1 of Flames Talk or NHL Insider. I thought he made a good point. You know, we, we maybe have yet to see a team that has truly tried to tank that has come back and, um, and actually won a Stanley Cup. You know, there have been teams that have been bad that have fallen into some good picks. But, you know, in, in recent years when tanking has actually been more of a thing over the last decade or so, have we seen a team do it successfully, ultimately successfully? I think that's a really important thing to uh, kick around as well. Uh, this says, how... Uh, Pat, how deep do you cut past UFAs this year? Markstrom, Kadri, Coleman, are they all on the block? Does it depend heavily on standings? Personally, I think if they can get a good deal for them, trade no matter what. Um, I think the first thing is that you, you got to figure out your UFAs and your approach with those UFAs. And then from there, you know, depending on where you are and how loudly the Flames tell you what direction you should go, I think there are some decisions to be made there. Those seem like more off-season decisions than in-season decisions, if you ask me. Um, when it comes to guys who still have significant term left, what, Coleman's got three years left, Markstrom's got three years left, Kadri's got five years left after this year. So those seem more like off-season decisions. And if they are going in a drastically different direction, I don't know whether or not Markstrom would want to be here. 
there is there are reports that Kadri would not be interested in a rebuild. I don't know about Coleman. I think Coleman's a different story because he targeted Calgary as a place he wanted to raise a family. He's already won his two Stanley Cups. And I'm not suggesting he is complacent because you watch the guy play and he's anything but that. I just think it's a slightly different story in that regard. Great stuff on the text line tonight at 960-960. Let's get back to the phone lines three more times following a 4-2 loss for the Flames on the road in Nashville. First up is Cody. What's up, Cody? Hey, how's it going tonight? Good. How are you? It's so hard not to say that. I hear everyone ask you, how's it going? <laughs> over and over and over again, but you have to say it, don't you? Yeah. Um, I've never seen, so I had to look up the rule today, a penalty shot and two minutes. Yeah. I didn't realize that was a thing. Maybe you talked about it before. Well, no, it was a penalty shot in two minutes because uh, it's he, a major. Well, no, he took a right? penalty. He took a holding call prior to throwing his stick. So he took a holding oh. call that was already going to be called. And then while the Flames were on a delayed penalty, Predators still had possession and were on an odd man rush. He then threw his stick. So the throwing of the stick is an automatic penalty oh. shot, and he already Obviously. had a penalty that was going to be assessed oh. on him. Okay, so I did look it up, but it did say throwing a stick is a major penalty, which I never thought I'd see in the NHL. You teach kids all the time, never throw your stick. Never in the NHL would I think I would see an intentional throwing of stick. So that was kind of weird. Um, so if someone was talking about Kadri earlier, and i got to be honest, everyone's kind of left Kadri alone for the last year or so. It's all Huberto, Huberto. But it's impressive that Kadri has kind of taken these young guys under his wing, and I do think maybe that's what he needed, obviously. He needed something to get him going. But uh, he's been playing a lot better, I thought. But also, maybe he does need to be more of that, uh, I'm going to help teach younger guys than be the main player. Yeah, he takes a huge chunk of our cap hit, but if he's going to take these guys under his wing and bring all our young guys up, then maybe we have a chance because... The next question is, like you were talking before, if we're going to trade off Tana, you know, Lidstrom and all these guys, then what are we going to do? You can't really say it's retooling at that point. It has to be basically rebuilding the whole team from scratch. Not necessarily. Like, if they trade all four of those guys, get some nice assets back, um, use some of those assets in the offseason to help fill some other holes, um, get some young NHLers who can develop with the team, I don't think it has to be a full-on rebuild. And, and, and I know you guys have talked about this lots. Who cares what it's called? Rebuild, retooling, <laughs> yeah. whatever. Something's got to change, right? But it would be nice to have someone. I remember um, years ago when we get older players come in, everyone's like, oh, their experience is going to carry us through. But maybe maybe this is what we need is the cadre still has his hands. He still is a good hockey player, just needs to help the younger guys. Instead of being sold, he can't keep up. And that's, that's what we got is a lot of good young players. So maybe that is what it's going to take. But Honestly, I've been a Flames fan forever, born and raised Calgary, and it's always difficult. First half of the year is awesome. We're winning tons of games. Then the last half sucks or vice versa. It's always been that way almost since, I don't know, since I can remember. But having a cadre or someone who can take these young players and 
get them going actually gives us a chance. But let's be realistic. We got, what, two, three, four, five years before we're really a competitor team. And I think Flames fans kind of got to accept that. Don't give up on the Flames. Just accept this year isn't going to be the year we go to the playoffs and all of a sudden we're going to do a 2004 where we make it to the finals. Like It's just not that way. Look at Edmonton. They got a huge number of good players, number one draft picks, and they're still doing bad too. It's just it, – it, I don't think it's what it used to be. I almost think the league's too big. You have too many teams. You, got, you can't have franchise players like Pittsburgh had where everyone's going to take a pay cut and make the team make the well, playoffs. I mean, I think that's, that's as much a salary cap thing as it is a uh, amount of teams thing. But, yes, to, to your point. Well, fair enough. Salary cap, too. But, I mean, what can we do to change that? We can't have a bunch of these guys getting $10 million, whether it's Calgary or any other team. And – the team still doesn't have a goalie or a good defense or something. It, it makes it makes building an NHL roster that much more uh, challenging. There's no doubt about it. Um, but is that better for the league? Is my question. Well, it, that's that's for an, that's that's a that's a conversation for another time that we don't have time for tonight. So, all right, uh, fair uh, enough, uh, Pat. Love yeah. your show. Thank you. All right, Cody, be well, man. Appreciate it. Uh, our last call tonight is Dylan on the phone lines. What's up, Scout Dylan? What's up, man? <laughs> How we doing? Pretty good yourself, pal. I'm good. Um, good. Not pretty good tonight, obviously, but that's just how it is. They win, they win. They lose, they lose. That's okay. Um, few, few things just want to talk about. Sure. Um, where are we at with... Uh, any ideas um, about maybe acquiring Turcott from uh, from LA? Yeah, I mean, um, had some injury problems. It looks like they're advancing into the contending window. I'm sure they wouldn't mind the Hannafin on the left side. Where are we at? I mean, do you think that's an idea? Could be. Um, I think you'd need obviously want more than that, but. Yeah, that's that's a that's an interesting player. That um, again, I think you could make the argument that he is a NHL ready-ish player. I know that it has not gone the way the Kings have wanted it to since he was a fifth overall pick in 2019. But he's point per game this year in Ontario. He's still yet to register a point in 12 NHL games. But yeah, I, I that that you know. That's the type of player that I think we're talking about. If if you're looking for a younger guy, that's a, he's a 22 year old forward. Um, so if you could get a Turcotte and a first and something else, or a, yeah, that that's an interesting conversation to have. I think there's a um, a good handful of players like that. I mean, I, I like uh, if you're talking Columbus, Kent Johnson. That might be a stretch, but Cole Johnson Jones I think would be a stretch. But somebody brought up Marchenko, and that one feels. Yeah a little bit more uh, realistic. Yeah, I was, and Sillinger. Maybe Sillinger's an option. I mean, Again, had a good I think year. that one's a little more real, unrealistic. Really? Yeah. Sillinger, you think it's like just too much or too low, you think, if you were going to do a Lindholm's deal? I just think that they value him too high. Okay. Okay, that's fair. Um, the Zellweger one I like. Um, but Drysdale, you know, where do you think I is that can, also one? I, I think Drysdale is looked at 
a little bit higher. Like Drysdale is a guy they look at as a like a core player, like a no, no questions asked core member of yeah. the Ducks. Yeah, I don't know. It's a stretch, but the Turcotte one I just started thinking. See, really. like Turcotte, I think is fair though. Uh, Turcotte's a guy that they looked at as a core player, but hasn't developed at the rate that a Byfield has or a Kaliev has, um, or or some of their other younger players. And so, you know, Turcotte's kind of mired in the American League. Probably isn't going to be an impact NHLer for the Kings. That's the type of player that I think that you could uh, absolutely look at if you're the Flames in a trade. Yeah, and I agree. The last guy had it right. I mean, rebuilding and whatever you call it, tearing it down, doesn't necessarily, look at Buff, doesn't necessarily mean success. You've still got to do the right things right. You've got to draft well in your later rounds, and you know, you've still got to build a good culture and build core guys around that. You want to look at the rebuild, look at Buffalo. That's a prime example, how long they have tried and tried and tried. and Maybe they've been bad for years. And I mean, they were a team that was pretty upset they didn't get Connor. And I mean... But what happened there? Whatever. Um, well, yeah, that was they when they pretty... they lost the lottery. Oilers won the lottery that year, and then uh, was it Tim Murray who was their general manager? Basically, yeah. um, whined about, not whined about it, but was vocally upset about it. And you're like, well, that doesn't set a good precedent for the number two overall pick. It just happened to be Jack Eichel that year. So, uh, but yes, they did not win the lottery that year uh, back in 2015. Yeah. Well, this is that team just goes to show that you can, you know. They they did do a teardown and still haven't really worked out. I like the Dallas model. If Calgary wants to look at anything, they should look at Dallas. I mean, they still found a way to. Well, they got lucky. That one draft they had was pretty elite. You don't get very many of them. Yeah, there's there's uh, there's luck, but there's also it's a good draft, right? Like uh, there, there's always luck involved in drafting, but also give the stars credit for that draft. They deserve oh, yeah. it. Oh, 100 percent. I'm not taking that away from them. I mean. I mean, we took Strongren, and they took Stankoven. So, I mean, they... they There's another they player, Dylan. What about yeah, Stankoven I mean, as was, a guy yeah, that you could on go there. I was going to bring that up. Yep. I was going to bring that up for a Dallas trade, Stankoven. And I think, I think Dallas would be hot and heavy on any one of the three defensemen the Flames have. Yeah, me too. I think there's... You know what? Everyone can get here and get too wound up and depressed or whatever, but... Just you got to embrace it. You know, if the Flames are going to go on a huge win streak, just embrace it. Or if they're going to lose, then you know, just embrace what's going to happen next. And you know, I think I think there's actually a decent um, core of players here. You know, that you may not have a you know a superstar within this young group, but you know, you can still build towards it. Maybe Turcotte, or you know, hypothetically, maybe a trade for Turcotte ends up being like that. You got to think about stuff like that and. You know, the Flames do, like everyone sits here, oh, picks, picks. We, the Flames have had some, you know, seconds and thirds turn out to be good things. I mean, you know, Raz, for a second rounder, that's really good value. For well, a take a look pick. at that draft. I mean, 2015, yeah. they got Raz mm-hmm. Shillington in the second round. Um, and they also got Mange in the sixth round that year. Yeah, you know, and you just got to, I don't know. I think the I don't know. It's hard to say. The Flames make some either really good picks or they're really, really not good ones. And then you know, you know, I think Craig has got to figure it out. If he ever needs a hand, he should phone me up, and I'll, I'll be there to help him out because. I'm I'm pretty. Elite I'll pass that on to to Conroy, man. <laughs> Dylan in uh, Dylan in Sask is is uh, ready to jump in and be part of the management crew. Right on that. You're you're, ba- right you're you're selfless, man. You are a selfless. I, I appreciate it. Well, you know, and that's just it because I love this club. 
And actually, I can tell you what, Pat, I went to I went on a work trip to Colorado there for a course, and I went down to the Avalanche game. Uh, they played the Devils. Actually, a fantastic rink, Ball Arena. Ball Arena, that's what it's called. Yep. Um, fantastic group of fans. The loudest rink I've been in, honestly. Um, and I've been in Calgary. I've been in Edmonton. I've been in Ottawa. I've been to the Battle of Alberta's. I've, I've been to rinks. And... And they were loud. They were. They're not the smartest group of fans. They were pretty. They they were pretty confused why that hit on Luke Hughes was a penalty. Um, I thought that was a pretty obvious penalty. But back to my main point. I wore my white Mongepony jersey, and I felt good to go into that rink with my Flames jersey because just like Robert always says, we've got to be proud about our logo on the front, and and that's what it's all about. We've got to be proud whether they're winning or losing. Um, thanks for the call, Pat, and I'm sure we'll talk to you again soon. Good to hear from you, Dylan. Uh, that'll wrap us up on the phone lines tonight. Thank you for all your texts. Thank you for all your phone calls. A great night um, on uh, both the texts and the phone lines this evening as our Flames Talk postgame show starts to wind down on this Wednesday. Final score, Flames fall 4-2 to the Predators. Uh, and here's how we got there. It's time for the final summary. As Nashville never trailed in this game, they opened the scoring shorthanded early in the first period. At 2.33, Colton Sisson scores a shorty to make it 1-0, his sixth from Roman Yossi and Cole Smith. Flames answer on that one, though. A little bit more than two minutes later, Noah Hannafin scores again, his fourth of the year. Hannafin from Andrew Mangiapane and Chris Tanev at 4.46. We had a 1-1 tie. About seven minutes after that, though, Preds go back out in front, and this time for good. Uh, weird bounce, or, or fortunate bounce, off the end boards goes right to Ryan O'Reilly, and O'Reilly makes it 2-1 Preds. O'Reilly's ninth from Ryan McDonough and Gustav Nyquist at 11.23, and it was 2-1 Nashville after 20 minutes of play. No scoring in the second period, so 2-1 after 40 minutes of play. Off to the third period we go, where Nashville makes it 3-1 on an Alexander Carrier goal. His first of the year, unassisted at 11.56, makes it 3-1. Then on the power play, Yuso Parsonen makes it 4-1 at 17.22. Parsonen's third from Philip Tomasino and Ryan McDonough. Preds led 4-1 at that point. Late in the game, Flames get one back. A Yegor Sharangovich breakaway goal makes it 4-2. Shorthanded as well for Sharangovich for his fourth unassisted at 19.50. And that got us to our 4-2 final score. Final shots, 46-26 in favor of the Preds. Flames go 0 for 3 on the power play. Nashville 1 for 5 on the man advantage. Three stars in the building tonight. Number 3, Ryan McDonough. Number 2, Ryan O'Reilly. And number 1, UC Saros. With the loss, Flames fall to 7 at 9 and 3. They're back in action Friday on the road in Dallas, while the Preds improved to 8, 10 and 0. They're back in action Friday on the road in St. Louis. That is your final summary. And now for everyone involved in Flames hockey tonight, for our broadcast crew of Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson, and for our outstanding producer, Azam Ali Nanj, my name is Pat Steinberg, and uh, that'll start to wrap us up on our Flames Talk postgame show. We're available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcast. Next up for Calgary is the Stars on Friday night. It is a 6.30 face-off, which means we're on the air at 5.30 with your Calgary Flames warm-up. Have yourself a wonderful rest of your week. Your final score from Nashville tonight, Flames fall 4-2 to the Predators. This has been your Flames Talk postgame show, available wherever you get your podcasts. And this has been Calgary Flames Hockey on Sportsnet 960, the fan, back in 2015. Yeah, well, this is that team just goes to show that you can, you know, 
tear, they, they did do a teardown and still haven't really worked out. I like the Dallas model. If Calgary wants to look at anything, they should look at Dallas. I mean, they've still found a way to – well, they got lucky. That one draft they had was pretty elite. You don't get very many of them. Yeah, there's there's uh, there's luck, but there's also – it's a good draft, right? Like, uh, there, there's always luck involved in drafting, but also give the Stars credit for that draft. They deserve oh, yeah. it. Oh, 100%. I'm not taking that away from them. I mean – I mean, we took Stromgren, and they took Stankoven. So, I mean, they they. There's another they player, Dylan. What about yeah, Stankoven? I was, was going to was gonna bring that up. Yep. I was going to bring that up for a Dallas trade, Stankoven. And I think I think Dallas would be hot and heavy on any one of the three defensemen the Flames have. Yeah, me too. I think there's, you know what, everyone can get here and get too wound up and depressed or whatever, but. This, you got to embrace it. You know, if the Flames are going to go on a huge win streak, just embrace it. Or if they're going to lose, then, you know, just embrace what's going to happen next. And, you know, I think I think there's actually a decent um, core of players here, you know, that you may not have a, you know, a superstar within this young group. But, you know, you can still build towards it. Maybe Turcotte or, you know, hypothetically, maybe you trade for Turcotte and he ends up being like that. You got to think about stuff like that and, you know, the Flames do, like everyone sits here, oh, picks, picks. We, the Flames have had some, you know, seconds and thirds turn out to be good things. I mean, you know, Raz, for a second rounder, that's really good value. For well, take a look pick. at that draft. I mean, 2015, yeah. they got Raz Shillington in the second round, um, and they also got Mange in the sixth round that year. Yeah, you know, and you just got to, I don't know, I think the I don't know. It's hard to say. The Flames make some either really good picks or they're really, really not good ones. And then you know, you know, I think Craig has got to figure it out. If he ever needs a hand, he should phone me up, and I'll, I'll be there to help him out because I'm I'm pretty. I'll elite pass that on to to Conroy, man. <laughs> Dylan in uh, Dylan in Sask is is uh, ready to jump in and be part of the management crew. Right on that. You're you're, ba- you're you're selfless, man. You are a selfless. I, I appreciate it. Well, you know, and that's just it because I love this club. And actually, I can tell you what, Pat. I went to I went on a work trip to Colorado there for a course, and I went down to the Avalanche game. Uh, they played the Devils. Actually, a fantastic rink, Ball Arena, Ball Arena. That's what it's called. Yep. Um, fantastic group of fans. The loudest rink I've been in, honestly. Um, and I've been in Calgary, I've been in Edmonton, I've been in Ottawa, I've been to the Battle of Alberta's, I've, I've been to the rinks, and and they were loud. They were they're not the smartest group of fans. They were pretty, they they were pretty confused why that hit on Luke Hughes was a penalty. Um, I thought that was a pretty obvious penalty. But back to my main point, I wore my white Mongepani jersey, and I felt good to go into that rink with my Flames jersey because just like Robert always says, we've got to be proud about our logo on the front and. And that's what it's all about. We've got to be proud whether they're winning or losing. Um, thanks for the call, Pat, and I'm sure we'll talk to you again soon. Good to hear from you, Dylan. Uh, that'll wrap us up on the phone lines tonight. Thank you for all your texts. Thank you for all your phone calls. A great night um, on uh, both the texts and the phone lines this evening as our Flames Talk postgame show starts to wind down on this Wednesday. Final score, Flames fall 4-2 to the Predators. Uh, and here's how we got there. It's time for the final summary. As Nashville never trailed in this game, they opened the scoring shorthanded early in the first period. At 2.33, Colton Sissons scores a shorty to make it 1-0, his sixth from Roman Yossi and Cole Smith. Flames answer on that one, though. 
A little bit more than two minutes later, Noah Hannafin scores again, his fourth of the year. Hannafin from Andrew Mangiapane and Chris Tanev at 4.46. We had a 1-1 tie. About seven minutes after that, though, Preds go back out in front, and this time for good. Uh, weird bouncer or fortunate bounce off the end boards goes right to Ryan O'Reilly, and O'Reilly makes it 2-1 Preds. O'Reilly's ninth from Ryan McDonough and Gustav Nyquist at 11.23, and it was 2-1 Nashville after 20 minutes of play. No scoring in the second period, so 2-1 after 40 minutes of play. Off to the third period we go, where Nashville makes it 3-1 on an Alexander Carrier goal. His first of the year, unassisted at 11.56, makes it 3-1. Then on the power play, Yuso Parsonen makes it 4-1 at 17.22. Parsonen's third from Philip Tomasino and Ryan McDonough. Preds led 4-1 at that point. Late in the game, Flames get one back. A Yegor Sharangovich breakaway goal makes it 4-2. Shorthanded as well for Sharangovich for his fourth unassisted at 19.50. And that got us to our 4-2 final score. Final shots, 46-26 in favor of the Preds. Flames go 0-3 on the power play. Nashville 1 for 5 on the man advantage. Three stars in the building tonight. Number 3, Ryan McDonough. Number 2, Ryan O'Reilly. And number 1, UC Saros. With the loss, Flames fall to 7 at 9 and 3. They're back in action Friday on the road in Dallas, while the Preds improved to 8, 10 and 0. They're back in action Friday on the road in St. Louis. That is your final summary. And now for everyone involved in Flames hockey tonight, for our broadcast crew of Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson, and for our outstanding producer, Azam Ali Nan. My name is Pat Steinberg, and uh, that'll start to wrap us up on our Flames Talk postgame show. We're available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcast. Next up for Calgary is the Stars on Friday night. It is a 6.30 face-off, which means we're on the air at 5.30 with your Calgary Flames warm-up. Have yourself a wonderful rest of your week. Your final score from Nashville tonight, Flames fall 4-2 to the Predators. This has been your Flames Talk postgame show, available wherever you get your podcasts. And this has been Calgary Flames Hockey on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.